0: The Real Investment Show.
1: Inflation is so bad. How bad is it, Rich? That Dollar Tree is a $1.50 tree now. (laughs) Yes, to combat the supply chain issues and and hiring issues and everything that Dollar Tree has going on. They are raising prices to $1.25 to $1.50. There you go. You want to know inflation's here to stay? It's no longer the dollar tree.
0: Dollar 50 tree just doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because the dollar tree is like idolatry. Like, you are my idol dollar tree.
0: (laughs) Were things actually a dollar in there? They really were. They're
1: frightening. Everything was a dollar. It's very frightening in there. Okay, okay.
0: Because, you know, you hear a lot of these stores that are are like that, and then, you know, you get in there, and it's like six bucks for something. Well, that's why you have
1: five below. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, yeah. we're gonna go back to five and ten, except it'll be five and ten dollars. Dollars, yes. So that's uh, that's my joke for the day. I can now leave. Danny will be handling the rest of the show.
0: There you go. Yeah. We've so. we've got a running joke here, Rich. anytime we see a dollar general, I tell Michelle, I'm like, look, we could live here.
1: I bet she took. I bet she uh, cut your status there from general to private. I'm sure. Uh Uh-huh. There's a private joke in there somewhere. Um, So, you know, we talk a lot about tax brackets and how to save money within tax brackets, right? When you're working, you always want to try to stay within a certain tax bracket. Um, In many ways, we tell individuals who are working, try to maximize your tax bracket by maybe doing Roth conversions, Um, And that makes sense, right? We don't let a tax bracket go unused. We have some people that have fallen to lower brackets, maybe their cash flow ebbs and flows, and we talk to them about doing surgical Roth conversion or moving money out of traditional IRAs into Roth. Um, And that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Or we tell people, listen, hey, if you don't think if you think taxes are going higher in the future, why don't you fund a raw 401k versus a raw uh, traditional 401k? Because I know you're worried about taxes now, but you're also a human capital machine who can pay taxes. When you're retired, every dollar counts and most likely you're not going to fall to the lowest marginal rate in retirement. Notice what I did there. I didn't say tax bracket. I said marginal rate, right? Your marginal rate is the taxes on every dollar on the next dollar earned, right? Marginal rate, right? We have a progressive tax system. <clears throat> when people are in retirement, they don't realize what their tax rate's really going to be because they're look they're not looking at well. Danny and I call the backdoor taxes, not. Actually, neither is there neither is there a tax person looking at that, but that is the taxation of Social Security, whether it's fifty cents or eighty five cents on the dollar, and income related adjustments or charges based on how much adjusted gross income you have. When it comes to Medicare premiums, and Danny, we've talked about this that these stair step additional pre charges to the base premium. For Medicare, that based on where we're going, you might see um, more and more people subject to I think what we call these IRMA charges. We might see more people that are going to be attached to these with lower amounts of income. So what really, Danny, is your marginal rate in retirement? I mean, it could be very, very misleading. You have to look at your marginal tax rate when it comes to how to, so Social Security is taxed, because it's a very crazy formula called provisional income. Provisional income is your adjusted gross income. And what? Adjusted gross income. You mean money? You mean, Rich and Danny, if I take money out of my IRA, that's income? Yes, that's income when it comes to Social Security. That applies to the possibility that you're going to be adding another charge to your base premium for medicare. If I take it from a Roth, that is not the case, unless you're Peter Thiel, cuz then we're going to we're going to torment you.
0: Rich so, again, Rich what what makes it even better? Yeah. Is what else is included for that provisional income to determine what is taxed for social security?
1: Oh, I know. So I'm not expecting you to share with everybody the shock of what that is. That onerous, you know, provisional income. What's in there, Danny? What's in that so, evil soup? Or since it's October, so we thing, have to say but, cauldron, know, like, right? We have to say cauldron because it's Halloween's coming. Go ahead.
0: Well, like you mentioned, it's it's we're looking at all the different income that you have. But one thing that most people don't consider is a lot of people have municipal bonds. and That income that's paid from that is generally tax free. Now when it counts towards your provisional income for Social Security taxation. So, you know, what Rich is trying to explain and and essentially what we're getting at here is that there's a lot of other factors that you need to to take into consideration as far as what is your overall tax bracket and and not just your tax bracket, Mm -hmm. but talking about that marginal tax rate where what is the very next dollar tax debt. And so if you're going to have to, if it's going to incur you to pay, uh, taxes on your Social Security, which most people do. That's that's a tough one to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to consider that. We also need to consider you know, what happens with that IRMA charge or Medicare surcharge. How much does that impact your overall out-of-pocket, which would therefore be an additional tax? It doesn't feel like it, Rich, because we don't see it necessarily <clears throat> on our tax bill. We're just paying more.
1: We're just paying more. So what happens is we use a program, for example, that shows individuals— or allows them to show Roth conversion because there are many books out there, Danny, that say, well, you shouldn't be doing a Roth conversion once you hit 72 years old, once you hit your required minimum of distribution. It doesn't make sense.
0: Why? I mean – And it does that's make not always sense. true.
1: And it Right, because it does make sense. It's too plain vanilla because a lot of what we see from pundits is they don't think about the taxation on Social Security. Right. In other words, a lot of advisors have an, an accumulation mindset, and in many cases, the advice they give for Roth Roth conversion makes sense. Like Ed Slot, great IRA guy, he'll say, you know, well, if your tax bracket's going to be lower in retirement, even in, if you go to a Roth calculator online and you put in there that you're going to be in a lower tax rate in retirement. They're going to, it's going to tell you a Roth conversion is not for you. But what we're not considering is that 50 cents, is that 85 cents per dollar of taxation, depending on how much you make. There are people that you'll say, okay, you're going to fall in the 12% bracket. But when I consider the 85 cents, that I'm adding to every dollar, it's fifty cents up to a point than 85 cents, right? Whether you're single or married filing jointly. I can be in the marginal tax rate of twenty-two percent. I could be in the twelve percent tax bracket. Help me under help you understand. You could be in the twelve percent tax bracket which is what everybody focuses on in retirement, but your marginal tax rate, which is on the taxes on the next dollar of income, that next dollar of non-Social Security income could tip you to a whole world of hurt because what part of your Social Security is going to get included in the taxable formula? when we run these analyses for people they don't under, they, aren't, they don't understand they come in with a tax bracket mentality they walk out with a marginal tax rate change to how they think we reconnect those synapses no 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 you're not at 12 22% tax bracket you're in the marginal tax rate of 40% no this is not word salad that comes out of washington this is the truth So the thing is, when we run these, how do you take, how do you create a tax efficient paycheck in retirement? Sometimes it means the creation of Roth through through Roth conversion. And that could be a little bit painful, can it, Danny? Because you have to pay the taxes up front with Roth. Conversion and you don't want to pay those taxes from the from your IRA. In other words, if if I go to Danny, Danny, hey, Danny goes, Rich, I, I want to I want to convert you, convince me, I want to convince you. Told me I can I can convert fifty thousand from my IRA to my Roth. Great, Danny, we're gonna move the fifty. No, no, Rich, can you withhold taxes from that? Uh, well, okay. So now I'm going to withhold 20% in taxes and Danny's under 59 and a half, which means Danny's also got a 10% penalty. No, we want to make sure Danny has the cash from an outside source to pay the taxes so I can move 50 to 50. Now, a lot of younger people, Danny, right? They we have a lot of younger people by the way that are doing Roth conversions and more power to them. But what have we convinced them to do? that we have convinced them to shut off the pre-tax IRA and turn it to Roth. Now, as much as the, the executive branch hates Roth for a certain amount of money, for most people, Roth is still going to work. So we're going to keep talking about this marginal tax rate versus tax bracket. Big difference when you're in retirement and looking to create. A paycheck from your investments.
0: <sighs>
1: here on the real investment show. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out Dollar Tree here, see what I can buy online <clears throat> before we get back. The programs we use for planning here, one is to help accumulators hit their goals. Right? using very practical information. No, yeah, we're not using historical returns that the market gives you 12% a year forever. No, we're looking at future returns based on a formula that also includes the dreaded V-word, valuations, because math, Lance says, right, math eventually matters. It could be three years from now, five years from now. The worst thing you could tell someone who's trying to hit financial goals is, well, I was really wrong. Um, the market's only given us 3%. I told you you're going to get 10 So surprise. <laughs> surprise. You're not going to hit the goal unless you work another five years. We don't want to have this discussion here. That's the discussion we don't want. We leave that for other advisors' offices. Another program we use is is to create or help people create a tax-efficient paycheck in retirement. So traditional broker logic is this. I'm considering a Roth conversion this year. I'm in the 22% tax bracket. And I'm going to retire in 2026. Wishful thinking. And I expect to be in the 15% tax bracket. So therefore, I should conclude that Roth conversion won't work. For me, because obviously I am going to fall into a lower tax racket. But what if I began my Social Security benefits, Danny, in 2026? If the tax deferred account funds in question are converted this year, they're going to be taxed. At a marginal tax rate of 22%, because I'm not considering the fact I'm not going to be in the 15% tax bracket. I am going to be in the 22% marginal tax rate because I'm going to be withdrawing from my IRA in 2026 to live. In other words, I have to take my tax bracket and multiply it by 1.85 because I am going to get taxed on my Social Security. We do not like it's just funny. Advisors don't like to talk about Social Security. Unless it's take it at 62, because even if you're still working. Which, how many times a day do we hear that at Retirement Right Lane? And we have to fear, no, 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 no. So you want to understand how your taxes can change in retirement and include everything that should be. But not every program is going to do that. And if you're using calculators online... They're absolutely not going to do that. They're going to tell you what I, the example I just gave you, that if you do this Roth conversion this year and you're going to retire in 2026 and you're going to be in the 15% tax bracket, it's not asking you, well, what does your Social Security taxation look like? That's a different program. That's a different discussion. And how many times is that an eye opener, Danny, for when we run these analyses for for people?
0: Well, not not only that, I, you know, we visit with people a lot of times. They don't even understand that Medicare has a surcharge if you make too much money. And what usually what that looks like is um, taking capital gains, maybe cashing out an annuity. Yep. It could be, um, you know, there, there's a handful of ways to get there. Or maybe you just have a major expense and you're going to say, hey, I need I'll, all I've saved is I did did the right thing. I saved in this 401k pre-tax, which is what everyone was told. And now you want to take these distributions because you want to buy that lake house, you want to go on that trip, and it puts you over that, that limit, and now you're paying more for premiums, right? So, you know, thinking about taxes, it's not as simple as just looking at that tax bracket. It needs to be, you know, looking at that Social Security tax, looking at the Medicare tax. And so, unfortunately, when we talk about the Roth conversion, you know, most of the time when we see an analysis, it's strictly on that tax bracket. Okay, you're here, you're going to be here, right, Rich? I mean, that's what we hear over I- and over.
1: Yeah, I worked with someone not too long ago who's taking required minimum distributions, and I said, "Okay, well, we still have got room here, and you're going to do a Roth conversion for anything because you can't do Roth conversion on your required minimum." He goes, "Okay," I said, "Run that by your tax person." Well, tax per- guy comes, client comes back to me and goes, "He says I should change my account, my I should change my advisor. I really have no idea what I'm talking about."
0: Well, Rich, here's and the I problem. And I says,
1: "Well, is he is he is he looking at?" your taxation on social security? Are you, is he looking at what we call a tax torpedo is to when this social security taxes and when this, how much income you need to make before that social security tax falls off? Because right, Danny, when you get taxed on social security on the married filing jointly, what is it? 32 to 44,000 of taxable yeah, but
0: eighty-five. In, yeah. You'll be at 85%.
1: You'll be at 85%. And I, you know, that's in all fairness. That's not really what CPA is looking at, right?
0: Let's be honest, Rich. Most CPAs are looking at how, and we we've done this to them because we we judge them on how much money they save us each year. Right. So, you know, the, these guys are trying to. They're looking right now, and the issue I, I take is that we're not forward looking with a lot of with a lot of the tax filing. It's strictly on. Okay, we can save this much right now. And it doesn't look at what does this look like in the future how do we factor into those these other considerations that are really important because remember it's not just about that that wealth management aspect of things it's about how to keep more money in your pocket avoid taxes avoid those additional charges right which is why those roth conversions the um you know the overfunding of a potential life insurance policy i mean there's a handful of ways to find some tax advantages still and i think it's going to become more important but rich what what could we likely see we could see if this these tax brackets change drastically and we have some other charges that become that start to pop up, then maybe it's not as advantageous. I mean, we're gonna have to be very flexible mm-hmm. on this front as well.
1: Hey, if it's not advantageous and this doesn't work anymore, we're not gonna do it. Right? We keep an open mind. Unlike the financial dogma that's out there for fifty years and doesn't change, right? We're we're gonna be looking at it. I think for most of mainstream are not going to be be affected by what changes could happen even to Roth. Okay? But to your point, uh, and why you put a lid on Roth conversion, um, depending on how much income you make, when you're going to get tax money now <clears throat> versus not paying it later, when you really want the money now based on the negotiations that are going on, right? If you want the tax money now, I'm going to tell everybody to convert. Because... <laughs> You know, government's pretty short-sighted, so if I want money now, <clears throat> hey, y'all, convert as much as you want this year. We love you because you have to pay ordinary income tax on that money. <clears throat> it's, this, it's this mentality that prevents you from looking at it logically that we have to hurt everybody who makes a very decent living or who used the tax code lawfully. Because the rules are there. So then change the tax code. You know, why do you have to restrict on the AGI and all that? So I don't understand that process um, at all. But yes, to your point, Danny, it's going to be turbulent. And we need to understand the changes so that we can effectively communicate. We also have to make, make sure that the... Arsenal of tools we use to help people make these decisions are also updated, and those providers and those vendors are as astute as we are in doing those things. I think, based on the people that we use, um, especially for uh, Bill Reckenstein, who created one of the programs we use, and I was part of the test group for that, uh, he's been a mentor of mine for years. Back in 2003, when I was telling people not to take Social Security early and uh i look like a jerk i should you should take money from your ira first i actually lost clients doing that so um that i, I have confidence but yeah man things are going to change now speaking of changes we probably will know something by time our right lane class in um on october 16th danny we'll see what happens by then the whole world could be different by then and that's where we're doing our retirement right lane in Austin, at the Weston at the Domain. That's October 16th from 9 to 11. So that's our live class, by the way. It's not online. We had a great audience in the Woodlands, didn't we? Full yes. cool House in the Woodlands. Lots of great questions. Lots of audience participation. Danny and I love that. People are really engaged in learning about all the nooks and crannies of retirement that Pete—that really professionals do not want to talk about, including Medicare and Social Security. So, uh, if you are in Austin, listening to us, and want to come out, they better be given a good breakfast. <clears throat> um, come see us. Sign up at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. If you're not signed up for Lance's Daily Commentary please do so. It will be in your box really early. Email box every day by 7.30 or so, uh, giving you a good overview of things um, that you need to know. And kudos again to Lance for nailing the 5% pullback in September. I'm going to get you a assorted decorative pumpkin picks, toothpicks for a dollar. At $1.50 tree, Lance, that is your gift from me because I love you. All right, we turn. We're going to talk about, hey, Danny, we're going to talk about life insurance when we get back. Why it's more exciting than you think from an investment perspective here on The Real Investment Show. Stay tuned. Life insurance. Danny, I I mean, I work with some of these people that will never touch a retirement account. They will never touch a 401K. They will never touch an IRA. They do all their retirement savings in permanent life insurance. And I'm not saying you should do this, and you do want, and he does. One person I'm thinking of is creating a legacy. He wants the life insurance. That's always your primary reason. But let me tell you, Danny, we are going to create for this client an income from policy loans of $125,000 a year based on all he saved in life insurance. Tax-free, right? Because it's a policy loan, technically. I don't have to pay it back. It reduces how much my death value is, but we want to make sure we're doing the best of both worlds. We want to give him Enough for his family, but he wants to withdraw. What happens to my Social Security, Danny, my Social Security um, income, then, if I'm just doing policy loans and my Medicare premiums?
0: Well, your Social Security is going to be, become taxable. You're going to have you know so many different issues. With the, but with the policy loan versus taking a withdrawal, you won't have to do that. That's because right. Because that doesn't count towards that. That adjusted gross income because you're taking a loan, not a distribution.
1: Technically speaking. So guess what? He's getting all his Social Security. No taxation. Base premium on Medicare Part B. And I'm like, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I? Why am I? Why did I do this? Right. Because I was taught this. And I'm like, oh, no, don't look at life insurance. That's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. If it's used correctly. It's part of your it's it's part of your overall plan. And remember, insurance is always number 1 and you graduate to permanent life insurance where you put in dollars that goes into another bucket. That could be allocated among different indexes. But no downside, right? So I'm compounding inside. If I'm a young person, Danny, Just starting out. The best bang for my buck is pure insurance. Term insurance, right? That's right. My premiums are going to be lower. I'm going to get a lot more insurance. But say I do that for as long as my kids are through college. Right now I'm 40 so, 41 years old, 42 years old, 44, and I decide, hey, I got good cash flow. I want to save on taxes in retirement. I fund my plans, but I still want to leave money to my kids, I'm gonna start funding a permanent life insurance policy. Yes, my premiums are gonna be higher. I need to have the cash flow to fund those. But what what am I exactly doing, Danny? I've graduated from term to permanent and I've got a dual purpose for that permanent life insurance. One, obviously again, I'll repeat myself till I'm dead here. Life insurance. Second, I have one I have one client that did this, Danny, he has no heirs but he wants to leave money to a charity. He wants to make sure there's money left to a charity, and he's using permanent life insurance to do it. So there are reasons to use it where a lot of times in the financial industry, it's like, no, 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 no. We don't talk about life insurance. And permanent life insurance is some form of demon. It's very, very, very bad, but it's not. Some of the smartest people I know Highest wage earners I know use permanent life insurance, Danny, not stocks and bonds.
0: Permanent life insurance has a really bad rap, Rich, and, and part of it is one, it's typically sold; it's not planned for. Um, you know, we see that. You know, Dave Ramsey, you know, he's came out against it. And everybody, look, Dave does a fantastic job on helping people get out of debt, but he says, look, whole life or permanent life or any of these permanent policies are terrible because you can just go out and buy term. And then invest the rest. Well, we're not thinking about that, that benefit of that cash value, right? If you can overfund a policy, you can see these funds grow rather quickly. And then you have that benefit of taking those tax-free distributions in the form of that policy distribution alone. And so
1: so that's what many people forget. But you're so silly, Danny, because I should buy term and then get my 12% a year. In, well, you, you in investments, as, four, as, four. as as, da, as uh, Dave Ramsey says, right? Because you're going to earn t- Yeah,
0: I remember right. when Lance uh, did the year. research
1: for that 1-12%-a-year fund, and it was some nebulous tech fund that, like, lost 50% in one year. I also think that maybe Dave Ramsey owns a, a term, <clears throat> life insurance policy company, but... Shh, 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 shh. Dave Ramsey does very good things. And guess what? I think for his audience term is probably the best insurance for them. His target audience of trying to get out of debt don't have a lot Agreed. of cash flow, right? And they still need insurance. So I would say objectively that he's right, that that audience probably would have to be better if, off
0: with term. Correct. If Especially if you're only going to make the minimum payments on that, that permanent policy. Right. Look, you're not going to build cash value uh, very quickly. It's going to be very, very slow process. So if you could commit to a, you know, what we'd like to do is, for the risk management aspect of mm. things utilize a term policy right and then you can you can fund a permanent life insurance policy that you can overfund you don't have the income limitations like we do with the roth ira um, you have some additional funds and ways that you can put funds aside that give you some tax you know tax deferred growth and then if you if have taken out properly you're not paying taxes on it it's it's really a fantastic type of investment vehicle that does get a very bad rap because of those other reasons um, you know, I wish it was more widely acceptable, Rich. And I think it's going to get there, especially in light of what's, you know, what we're seeing here very soon I, as far I as high taxes.
1: Oh, my God. just had a horrible thought. JP didn't initiate this, though. just had a horrible thought, and it wasn't about a box at John's Market store. What if Peter Thiel owns a permanent life insurance policy, too, as opposed to Roth and a Roth? Oh, my gosh. Peter Thiel's going to kill the whole permanent life insurance um industry. Well, those lobbyists are so strong, there's no way in heck. So to Danny's point, you can withdraw or borrow against the value of permanent life insurance contracts, like for supplementing retirement income. Some people will use it, Danny, for big emergency purchase, some long-term care, right? Um, I'm building it up in there, right? I could put as much as I want into this policy. Like I can design a policy where I could put, maybe my premium is... $2,000 2000 a month, and I talk to my insurance company and go, listen, how much can I fund above that? Like you can, what we call overfund a permanent life policy and say, and, and your insurance company goes, well, you can fund another $1,000 a month, Mr. Rosso, but don't go above that because then that is not deemed life insurance anymore. It's deemed a modified endowment contract. So, okay, well, I'm going to put another 1000 in, ma'am, and that money is going to go into the buckets. Right, so some people are going to use that as an accelerated way to save money. So, client people who have maximized their Roth four hundred one k's or regular savings, they have their their financial vulnerability cushion, and they say, "Rich, Danny, I need something else. What do I do?" Okay, you also will have a legacy for your family. I, I do, or charity. Okay. What if we look at permanent life insurance? Oh no, my nobody. Everybody says no. Well, let's talk about it. So I can borrow now. It is a balancing act, right, Danny? You have to run an analysis. Of the insurance company saying, okay, you know, Brent wants um, forty thousand dollars a year from his life insurance company, but his wife will kill him if she if he doesn't get life insurance. So he's balancing, you know, life and death, literally, right? His life now or Death later, so he can. There's a. They're going to run a an illustration to say, well, you can withdraw this amount per year and still maintain this amount of life insurance. Because what you're hoping is when you borrow from your policy, aren't you hoping that maybe the policy loan rate is less obviously than the growth that you're going to get in some of those buckets within that the uh, umbrella of the permanent life insurance?
0: Yeah, you're using a bit of arbitrage here, and I think that, yeah, you know, that's, a good word. It, that's probably one of the more difficult things to, for, to maybe explain or for people to really understand is that we want to look at the policy in a number of different manners. You know, not only what type of death benefit, how quickly we can accumulate, you know, what's the overall insurance expense, and, and you know, really get inside the numbers, but we also wanna, want to really understand what it looks like when you take that policy DBA loan out, especially if we're using this can... for. Um, you know, for some type of income later down the road. Now we can look at life insurance for other reasons as well. Rich, we may look at that for paying estate taxes. Yeah. Um, and so Lance you
1: know, does that. He, He's already on the chat saying, hey, Lance funds other things. But his permanent life insurance policy is very important. And Lance yeah. is smart. He predicted the downturn in September.
0: Remember, you know, that. Rich, I'm a little disappointed. He was a little bit off. He's only four point eight percent down versus his five. I mean, well,
1: it's close. I think it's, it's five a, it's I think it's five it. from the high though. I think it's five from the high. Hey, next week Lance is back. We'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We appreciate you. Take care.
0: Monday, Monday, Monday. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich word.